are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Rachel. Welcome to episode 148 on the disappearance of Janelle Matthews. Not Janelle, like some would say. You said Janelle, and her name is Janelle. What did I say? <laughs> I don't know. Janelle. It's Janelle. Janelle. No A. That's right. It looks like John L. A little bit. But it's not. It's Janelle. Correct. In case you were wondering. Indeed. So before we get started in this week's episode, we've got just a few things to discuss for the business. We have a very loved listener named Kayla. And mm-hmm. Kayla was in a terrible accident. Terrible. Yeah. Her car flipped like 57,000 million times or something absolutely ridiculous. Give or take. <laughs> Give or take. And she is, she walked, she got out of the car and freaking walked because she's a badass biatch. Right. But she was hurt after the fact. And mm-hmm. um, she just needs some good vibes. So I just think, you know, whether you're spiritual or like whatever you do, good vibes help, right? So we're just asking everybody, just send some good vibes to her in her recovery from that terrible situation that occurred. Um, she's banged up pretty good. Yep. And, and we appreciate all your good vibes being sent to her. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, she is very important to us. We appreciate her listening and we hope that she feels better soon. It's a long road, but we know you can do it. So thank you, Kayla, and we wish you well. Thanks, Kayla. And then the next thing is uh, we had to take a little break for, what, essentially two weeks? Yeah, I think it ended up being. Because of some uh, family stuff that was going on. So we weren't able to put out any episodes. And we just want to say that we appreciate all of you guys and your support. Um, We don't like to do that skipping weeks and episodes especially on short notice so we just appreciate you coming back and listening to us week to week and essentially missing us i guess like that feels nice that does feel good (laughs) but um we don't like you to miss us we like you to just have us all the time regularly correct every week every single week (laughs) we're givers So we just say thank you to you guys for being patient with us and coming back every week to listen uh, and for all your support there. Yes, we do. Thank you. And we do have a busy summer in our personal lives. Yeah, it's getting about to be getting rough, (laughs) really rough. So there could be some more times where we might not release on a Monday or we might have to take a week break. We will do the absolute best we can to stay on track, uh, but we just appreciate any patience with us in the future as well. We do have lives and jobs and kids <laughs> and all of the things that make life stressful and beautiful at the same time, but yes, we do. All right. Do you have anything else business related? Those are the only two things I wanted to mention. No, I don't think so. Okay, well, why don't you get us started on Janelle Matthews? Okay, so Janelle was born at Cottage Hospital in Santa Barbara, California, 
on February 9th, 1972 to 13-year-old Terry Rivera. Janelle was adopted in March 1972 by James, who goes by Jim, and Gloria Matthews. They were a married couple, and they had another daughter. They all lived in Greeley, Colorado. At the time of her disappearance, Janelle's father was the principal of Platte Valley Elementary School in Kersey, Colorado. Good job. Well, how would you feel about that? Your parent being the principal at your school? I don't think he was the principal at her school. Okay. I think he was the principal at a different school, I think. Um, But I would hate that. I would hate that, that would be too. Terrible. At least in elementary school, you're not getting in like too bad of trouble yet. You know, like you're not trying to be secretive and do like adult things yet. It's just yeah, innocent, four it's square, things like that. Yeah, I guess if as a kindergartner, maybe you wouldn't mind it so much or like an, in elementary school, you wouldn't mind it so much. But as you got older, yeah, that would get worse. I do remember being terrified of our elementary school principal, though. <laughs> Oh, man, he was too aggressive to be an elementary school principal. He was actually very nice. Was he? I think so. I mean, I I remember. Yeah, I'm not talking about when I was in elementary school. I know I went back and like had talked to him and I'm pretty sure he was. I mean, he seemed very nice, but he looked like very stout. And that rumor that he was paddling kids with that big Ohio State paddle was running rampant through the elementary school the whole time we were there. I don't think that actually ever happened. It might have. I had a bad taste in my mouth. So I was a tank of a child my whole life. Still am. But I was playing freeze tag. No. Yeah. Freeze tag. And I, you know, the starter jackets were cool back in the day. And this Miami kid, Dolphins. Was, yeah, this kid who was a year older than us were, was playing and I grabbed him pretty tight and he kept, he tried to run and I held on and he ripped his jacket and those jackets back mm. in the day were expensive. Those were very expensive. And it's not my fault. They were poorly made. And if somebody grabs you, stop running. I got you, boo. You know, I got you. Nobody does that. (laughs) You're not supposed to grab and freeze tag. (laughs) He was trying to act like I didn't get him, but I got him good. Obviously. And he told on me and then his mom called the school and then our principal called my mom and we all had a meeting and I was scared to death. And yeah. he asked if she would pay for a replacement coat because I ripped the kid's coat. Your mom said no, right? Oh, yeah. She's like, no. It's like <laughs> prison rules on the yard, you know? Like, he shouldn't have ran. Yeah. Sew the coat. Exactly. Like, it, how hard? And I want to say it was a terrible team anyway. Probably. If You're going to tell me who this was. I will. Later. But yes. Text and, me. <laughs> and then ever since then, like even into high school, when I would see this kid, I'm like, you're a freaking jerk. Did you used to like go at him like <laughs> punk? <laughs> what are you going to do now? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I'm sure it was embarrassing. And I should have reminded yeah. him like throughout our career as children that. Yeah. yeah that happened. Target. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, immediately sidelined. Um. <laughs> So he's a principal on December 20th, 1984, 
And I will just say when I first heard about the story and like was doing the notes, I wasn't thinking that she was how old she is. So she's 12 at the time of this December 20th, 1984. Um, uh, Janelle was part of the Franklin middle school honors choir and the choir was performing at a local bank that evening. Her mom, Gloria, was on a trip to California. I think her dad was in poor health and she was going to visit the family. And that's why she was doing that so close because December 20th is like five seconds away from Christmas. Mm -hmm. So that's why she was doing that. And her dad was at her sister Jennifer's basketball game. So dad was trying to, you know, take care of everybody and do all the things. So she was at the choir performance by herself essentially with all of her schoolmates at 8 15 p.m that evening janelle was brought home by her friend deanne and deanne's father she was dropped off in front of their house in the 300 block of 43rd avenue court and deanne and her dad watched janelle go inside that's the last time she'll be seen by friends and family oh my gosh so they do all the right things. They wait until she gets in like we all do. Yep. And she even flipped the light switch when she got inside, which was their sign to say, I'm, I made it into the house and I'm safe. Everything's good in here. So at that point, Deanne and her dad drove away. Wow. Okay. At 8.30 p.m., so just 15 minutes later, Janelle took a phone call from an associate I think it's a work associate of her father's and took a message for him then at 9 30 p.m Jim Matthews arrived back at home from the basketball game when he gets home the garage door is open which was not the way that he had left it so that was kind of strange in the tv room Janelle's favorite place to watch tv is all set up like she was going to be watching that there's a pillow a shawl her shoes that she had worn at the concert and a nearby space heater which she turned on to stay warm while she was watching tv jim shouted hello but he didn't get a response he also didn't really think anything of it and at first i was like i feel like i would go check but then i thought about my niece Uh uh-huh 12 Just a little bit older than that, but like, nope, probably wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, she probably grunted in her room. (laughs) Like, that's fine. So he went ahead and he was wrapping a Christmas present. Eventually, he realized that Janelle wasn't there, but I, I don't think he really thought much of that either. I think he thought she was at a neighboring house or somewhere around and that she would be home soon. Right. Wow. Okay, 10 p.m., Jennifer comes home. Jim asks about Janelle, and Jennifer said that she had not seen her. Jim now becomes worried and calls Russ, who is Deanne's father. Jim calls around asking if people had seen Janelle, and he also calls their pastor and friend, James Christie, who tells Jim to call the police, and he does. At 10.15, Greeley police respond, asking questions, and being a and began a house and neighborhood search. Police found footprints in the snow, indicating that someone had been looking in the windows. The footprint had been raked over with a rake from the garage. There was no sign of a struggle or a forced entry. With snow on the ground, Janelle's father thought it unlikely that she would go far without shoes. 
Mm-hmm. Midnight, Gloria Matthews calls the house to tell her family she's arrived in California. Jim tells her Janelle has gone missing and has been since about 8.30 p.m. Gloria catches the first plane home the next morning. I can't even imagine. That's what I was going to say. Can you? Ugh. Ugh. Having to be at the airport where Just, I have ugh. anxiety anyways, and there's nowhere to like release it. But then on top of that, sitting there waiting, I would be a nightmare to everyone near me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you'd be con- just constantly thinking about, oh, she's maybe she's here and they didn't look there. You know, just you, yeah, nobody ever does there. it as good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Um, by early morning, the police were canvassing. They found size 9 to 11 shoe prints outside the house as if someone um, is looking in through the window. And that same shoe print is found in the open garage having had walked through Greece. Wow. Yeah. There was a rake that had been used, like we said, to cover up the outside shoe footprints. And then the rake was put back. The Which rake is in- like weird. That is weird. I'm just saying. The rake information was not released to the press. So they were keeping that one close to the chest. Close to the vest. Yeah. So that's important later. Um, It was supposed to be just between the officers and the Matthews family. They should have been the only ones that knew. And the Matthews family had agreed to keep it quiet. Mm -hmm. After interviewing her friends and family, paired with what they had found at the home, they decided it was unlikely that Janelle had run away. Of course. There were no friends that she may have run away with. And she had friends, just all of them were accounted for. Yeah, right. There was nobody. Yeah. And according to her sister, she would not have run away in that manner. Uh, Apparently, Janelle was pretty, like, dramatic. And, you know, there's a lot of she's got a really sweet heart, all of those things. But, you know, she's got a flair. So (laughs) her sister said there would have been a note if she left there would have been some sort of dramatics she wouldn't just take off in the night and then she also definitely wouldn't have taken off right before christmas right that's what i was gonna thinking yeah which janelle was really looking forward to she had presents to give to her friends the next day and she herself loved christmas time so she would not have been running away i mean who would run who would even want to run away at christmas time when it's like cold and snowing and yeah she's got family there and friends so and 12 is like when you're super stoked about the gifts, you know, yeah, like usually. Cool gifts. <laughs> yep. Yes. A countywide search that was organized by the police and the church was mobilized and the community really showed up for them. So basically everyone was looking for Janelle in this community at this point. Detectives focused first on Russ Ross. They didn't have any physical evidence. They don't really have any suspects. So like, who is there Mm -hmm. so again they first focused on russ ross which was deanne's dad being that he was the last adult to see janelle and after you know questioning russ they started focusing on janelle's father jim and this like hurts my heart yeah but you know a lot of times it is family so it's necessary and i think that it seems like her father janelle's father jim knew that that was necessary um but he had some behavior that was kind of questionable not damning but questionable like the next day after she had been missing he was driving around for four hours of unaccounted time 
which to me, okay, he's, he's out looking for his kid, right? But he wasn't with anybody, didn't tell anybody where he was or anything like that, I guess. And then two, he had a very stoic nature. He's very calm, um, which is not, I guess, typical behavior when your child's missing and it raised some eyebrows. And again, that's another thing I super hate, like how you react to something. You shouldn't have to worry about that, you know? Right. Like, am I reacting appropriately to this? So that was that was going on. On top of that, that rake that we had talked about was put back in the garage, which seemed odd. And I guess it was more believable or made more sense to people that he would put his own rake away after mm-hmm. using it. And he knew where the like somebody knew where the rake was. Maybe they saw it when they went in the garage or whatever. But you know, they're connecting I mean, a couple of dots there. A rake is a pretty big thing. I mean, I yeah. feel like that's not a hard thing to spot. Right. I agree. I feel like any anything that they're doing at this point is like grasping at straws. Yeah. A little bit. Because they don't have anything. Um, Jim also voluntarily took a polygraph test and failed it. Which is a red flag but they're also unreliable they're not permissible in court and yeah after after a while both of the men complied the entire time they complied to questioning there wasn't any further evidence and it became evident that they weren't involved in any malicious way i will say that there is a recording of the police department interviewing like questioning uh, janelle's dad And he's gone through, like, tons of questioning over months and months at this point. Like, this was not, like, a day, I don't think. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. it's months. But he basically cracked on them. Like, he was very, you know, was good with answering all their questions. Again, was stoic. And they were really trying to get him to confess to this. And he, at one point, like, finally snapped, which I feel like I would snap very early. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you can question me for, like, a minute, and then you need to avert your eyes somewhere else because someone's out here getting away with stuff, and you're spending all this energy trying to make me crack. Like, Uh turn it around. Um, So eventually he got there, but I think it was a while. So, you know, they're doing what they can to help move the case along. I... I just, another little side thing, I just got done reading a book called Dirt Creek, and it's a really good book, and it's about a child that goes missing, Um, and it's, they think that the father has done this, and they basically hold him, um, a cop says something off, you know, wrong, whispers it in his ear, so he will punch him, the cop in the face, and they can hold him for basically assaulting a police officer because they don't have enough evidence to hold him on possibly, you know, murdering this child. And, you know, spoiler alert, but at the end, it's not him. And I just, I couldn't imagine being held like that, knowing, of course, that, that you didn't do it. And all of this time, are they wasting on you or you're not able to go out there and look? Like, that's something that you would never be able to forgive anybody for. Like, right. all time that time. back with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you yourself as a parent would want to do everything that you could do to save your child or find your child. And they're holding you 
a you know a prisoner that would just mm-hmm. be oh my god terrible that's a good book by the way noted <laughs> um janelle's mother gloria she really took to this she started sending posters and pick janelle's pictures out to news agencies and she started local but eventually she was sending things out around the country into embassies around the world oh wow like she was really you know trying to find her kid they planned to get Janelle on TV regionally and nationally, and they did. Mm-hmm. And the tip line eventually became overwhelming. They were getting thousands of tips, trying to chase them. The police were trying to chase them all down. Everyone was waiting for a break in the case, basically. Right. The disappearance attracted interest from the public, including the president of the United States and members of Congress. Thanks to Gloria, President Ronald Reagan mentioned Janelle Matthews in a speech on March 7th, 1985 from room 450 of the old executive office building. She was mentioned in the congressional record for the United States House of Representatives on April 2nd, 1985, page 7,224. In 2010, the Greeley Tribune... Um, published another summary of the case. So like that's, that is massive. Yeah, they're, people are working, they're trying, they're doing all of the things that you should do when a kid is missing. Uh-huh. A choke cherry tree was planted in front of Franklin Middle School in memory of Janelle. The tree died after a few years and a plaque was inscribed with Janelle's name disappeared. What? Which is sad. I know that was like a downer, but yeah. Why would somebody take that? I don't know. Doesn't seem right. It does not. So from the time that this disappearance occurred, they don't have leads. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're like reworking the same case over and over. It's going cold, right? Um, five whole years after Janelle's disappearance, a new suspect arose. And by new, I mean really their first one because they were questioning the dad in Russ Ross and they really were not, you know, the ones. Mm-hmm. And this new suspect was Norris Drake. Drake's mom lived directly across the street from Janelle's house. His mom had said previously that he may have seen something because he was at the house and left near the time Janelle disappeared. Now, I'm going to say this because I'm not really sure when that came in because these are this is all done based off of them going through tips, going through people calling in, going through the case files over and over. So I don't know when she was like, hey, my kid might have seen something, but mm-hmm. it took them a minute to go out there, I think. Um, he was staying at his friend's house at the time and was borrowing his friend's truck. Police interviewed his ex, and she said he had a propensity for violence and had beaten her up and broke into her house when they broke up. He was on probation for that and told her um, if he killed her, no one would ever find her body. Whoa. Mm. That That's not really something you go around, like, lightly saying, right? I don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, have I ever said that? Hmm. 
and I'm just it. kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I've it. never said that. I've told people I've <laughs> killed them before, but it was half joking. Right. Yes, exactly. No one knew where Drake had been during critical hours of Janelle's disappearance. Um, his mom said that he had left her house at 9 p.m., which, if you remember, is when she disappeared, basically, mm-hmm. that time span right after that. And he was meant to go back to his friends, but he did not return to his friend's house until more than five hours later, according to his friend's sister, who was sleeping on the couch and saw him come around in around 2 a.m. Then in the morning, when they awoke, this friend's sister said that he told her a 12-year-old girl had been kidnapped from the house across from his mom's last night and that he had talked to the police and had been on scene. That's an odd thing to say. He wasn't, though. Right. So, like, why would you say that? <laughs> hmm. um, that sister sent a detailed account of what she knew to a police officer friend in Denver. Why? Why? Yeah. That never made its way into the case file. But when she was interviewed later, she was able to read the police, the statement that she had made for that. So I she think tried. It, she, she kind of tried the first time. I, I mean, I don't know. Why would you? I would not do that. Like, How old call, was this girl? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she was 17. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know either. Maybe if I was super young. I guess, but I just can't, What I don't understand the logic there. Maybe because we are so aware of how police departments are not working together all the time. So like, I absolutely would not expect it to make it from Denver to Greenlee. It was probably a a convenience thing. It's like, oh, hey, yo, buddy, you're my friend and you're a police officer. So I'm going to tell you my story. And I'm surprised that police officer wasn't like, you need to call that police station. Or take the the you know statement and be like, here you go. Yeah. To the other police department. Well, Drake had commented, supposedly, supposedly he had made the comments previously on how Janelle had matured, quote unquote. Barf. That's gross. And, yeah. And was said by others to have an unusual interest in young girls, including his ex. She said that too. Ugh. He also had a criminal record. However, it was just stealing from his roommate. So I don't know if that that means anything in this situation because that's not the same thing. The detectives interviewed him. And in those interviews, Drake mentioned knowledge of a rake being used to clear footprints, which should indicate that he knew things about the crime that were not made available to the public and makes you look super suspicious, right? Yeah. However... Drake shared that information just like very freely, like it was common knowledge, not like he accidentally did it or was trying to hide something. And he also indicated that he had heard it from his mother and that he thought the rake was used to cover multiple footprints from juveniles because he heard that there were multiple sets of footprints and that like a kid gang had hopped the fence and taken Janelle. Like that's what he had heard happened, but he still knew about the rake. 
who he's trying to make some outlandish thing together with the rake to make the other thing seem like he, you know. I don't know. I mean, he said it all in a sentence. It's not like he was thinking about it and then wrapping background and covering it up. Right. So I don't really know. I don't, I I don't know. I don't have any opinions on that necessarily. They ultimately, though, had to let Drake go because they didn't have any physical evidence. Unfortunately, Drake died in 2007 of an overdose. However, he did remain a person of interest, a suspect in the case um, moving forward. That sucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hate that because we'll never know. You gotta wait until the end of the story. <laughs> and I hate physical, like the physical evidence thing too. Sometimes I wish you could just, yeah, it could just be I a mean, feeling. <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, they don't have a body. They don't have. They have nothing. Mm-hmm. So there, there's no saying what's going on. You know, right? All right. Janelle's case was cold, but the Greeley police continued to work on it. As time went on, it moved from investigator to the next, hoping for some sort of break. Detective Robert Cash got the case, and he went about organizing it with his partner, Prill. After 15 months of organizing the case file, the same suspected uh, person came... Suspects. Oh, I'm sorry. The same suspects came up, uh, but with a new person, Steve Pankey. Panky was the custodian at the church Janelle's family attended at one time before he was fired and excommunicated. He also knew Russ Ross. Russ had been his boss previously, and Panky alleged uh, that Russ had beat him up in the late 70s. Panky had also reached out to police saying he had information on the case and would not give his information until the police told him what they knew. That's weird. Right. Can you do that? No. 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 <laughs> no. And then you look <laughs> real suspicious. <laughs> right. Like, so... tell me if you know it's me or not. <laughs> and then exactly. I'll confess. <laughs> he had repeatedly reached out through the years, but was always dismissed. In April 2019, Detective Robert Cash got him on the phone, and he first feigned ignorance about the case. He has no idea what he's talking about. They talked for 45 minutes and unpromoted, he denied any involvement and during the ramblings hinted he knew things about the case and Russ Ross, but that he would not reveal anything until he had worked out a deal with his attorney. That also makes so, you look suspicious. That, that word before was unprompted. So he what basically was like, I unpromoted, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. He, he said... Our first, he was like, I don't know what's going on. And then he's like, I did not have any involvement in this case. And let me tell you some stuff. Like, nobody asked if he had involvement, but he just offered it, you know, which also makes you look super suspicious. And he then saying not, that he wants to work out a deal first makes you look real bad. Yeah. He also said he didn't know about Janelle until six days after her disappearance. Yes. Okay. That is important later. And by later, I mean right now, because they then reached out to Panky's ex-wife, Angela Hicks. And Angela said that Panky made the family go to California 
that they had started their trip on December 22nd, which was two days after Janelle's disappearance. She also said that this trip was unexpected. Hmm. Now, they were going out visiting his family, so it's not like they're just like, we're going to a different state randomly, but the, the trip was not planned, and it's three days before Christmas. Yeah, right. Who does that? No one. Murderers. Murderers do that. Hicks said they returned to Greeley on December 26th and that Panky took an unusual interest in the disappearance. She said that on their return trip, he uncharacteristically listened to the radio, searching for news of the girl's disappearance. That was a quote. She also said that after their return, Panky forced her to read to him newspaper articles concerning the case. Could he not read himself? I guess not. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he could, but. That's weird. What? That's what women's are for. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Shortly following their return to Greeley, Panky started digging in their yard. Why? Now, when she told them this, ground penetrating radar was used at the site, but nothing was found. However, this is, of course, decades and decades after Janelle's disappearance. So. Right. If there was something there, it might not be there now. At about that time, a cor- car that was stored on their property caught fire and and the car burned. It was disposed of at a salvage yard, which is also suspicious. Uh-huh. A few months following Janelle's disappearance, Pinky attended a church service where a minister claimed that Janelle would be found safe Hicks claimed to have heard Panky muttering in response, accusing the minister of being a false prophet. Now, I either heard or read that he not only was muttering, but he, like, got worked up and, like, got up and was pacing and went out into, like, the foyer and was pacing, saying that this guy, this minister that was saying... Um, that she would be found safe was a false prophet. That is so weird because he knows right? that she's not safe. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. In 2008, Panky's son was murdered, which is sad. And at his son's funeral, Hicks repro- reportedly heard Panky say, I hope God didn't allow this to happen because of Janelle Matthews. What? That's what she said. And then what did she think of that at that time? I, if my son was murdered and my husband said that, I would have been like, what are you talking about? What Mm -hmm. did you do? Yeah. What, what happened? What now? Right. And when they went to go talk to her, she had basically been like waiting for them. I think like, I think she said something along those lines, but I also think she had reached out potentially. I'm not positive Mm -hmm. on that, but you know, when, all those tips are coming in. Yeah, I get that. And it's a small, it is a very small police department, I think. So, you know, it took them a while to put all the pieces together, right? Wow. Okay. Excavators installing a pipeline discovered human remains at 4.50 p.m. on Tuesday, July 23rd, 2019. So, so how many years to- is that? Yeah, well, even to say, too, the detective, um, Robert Cash, that is interviewing Panky and Panky's ex-wife, that was in April of 2019. 
So now in July wow. of 2019. Okay. But um, what was your question? Like, when did she disappear? Yeah. When, when was 1980, that? 1984. So, wow. 1984. Yes. Wow. Okay. Our whole lives. Longer Our whole lives. Right. Yeah. Okay. There were human remains found near the intersection of County Roads 34.5 and 49. I'm not going to. There's mm-hmm. coordinates mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. I'm not reading those. But it's about 15 miles southeast of Janelle's home. Based on DNA evidence, the Weld County Coroner's Office positively identified the remains over three decades later as being those of Janelle Matthews. The forensic report listed Janelle's cause of death as a gunshot wound to the head. So he took her somewhere and shot her in the freaking head because he didn't shoot her in the house or in the yard. Mm -mm. Oh, my God. I don't know. All right. Hanky was previously arrested for disturbing the peace in a bank, and the charges were eventually dropped. But before that, Panky filed a court petition saying the arrest was an attempt to force him to become an informant on the Janelle Matthews case, adding that he feared he would get the death penalty for revealing the location of Janelle's body? What? Now, this happened before they found her remains, but that like this man has just been spending his life you know dropping clues and being weird af about stuff and he didn't stay in greeley his family moved shortly i believe after um the disappearance like maybe six months or longer but uh yeah so he's just acting real weird and saying weird stuff and like are you to say something like that and then not Paul, so wait like, what <laughs> let me just get this picture down in my mind so he got arrested on a totally different charge in a totally different area about something uh, about disturbing about the not even yeah nothing related no relation and, whatsoever and now he is filing a court petition bringing her name into it whenever nobody asked you nothing about it yeah yep and and this yep. was not like thought of to be like why why are you doing uh-huh. this right uh, yeah uh-huh on okay. september 13th 2019 so again janelle's remains were found in july and this is september the greeley police department announced that stephen dana pinky a former greeley resident um and then catch this, he had run for governor in Idaho in 2014 and 2018 and for lieutenant governor in 2010. Tell me he didn't win. He didn't. Thank but God. he's got but he has like um like promo commercials. What are those called? Yeah, like you know? um yeah. Like vote for me. Right. <laughs> kind of things. Those are out there. Um he did not win. But they announced that he was an official person of interest in Janelle Matthews' abduction and her death. On Wednesday, September 14th, so the next day, police in Twin Falls, Idaho, searched Panky's condo under a warrant that stated investigators had probable cause to believe that Panky abducted and murdered Janelle. Panky and his former wife lived about three miles from the Matthews' home at the time that she had disappeared, Mm -hmm. which is not far. 
And he had also been a custodian at the church that the Matthews family attended. Greeley Police Commander Roy Smith stated that Panky had made repeated efforts to speak with the detectives about the Matthews case, but refused to answer questions when detectives traveled to Twin Falls on August 15th, 2019. He definitely talked to them about his life and just information not related to the case. I mean, he was talking to him, them about his sexual preferences and just whatever apparently ran through his head but not about the case he did say he would not talk um without his attorney or some sort of an agreement what so does still that trying mean to get some kind of an agreement like if i tell you something you can't make me in trouble <laughs> that kind of agreement yeah so on that same trip the detectives recorded an interview with his ex-wife angela and she talked about her life with Steve, so went into more details, but those are mostly included above that we had already talked about. They talked to her more than one time, I believe, but this one was recorded and, you know, got a lot of information mm-hmm. about about things. After refusing to talk to the detectives, Pinky gave an interview to an NBC-affiliated <laughs> station. He said... That December 20th, 1984, his father-in-law was a caretaker at a cemetery and he had told him a cop had come to him and said he had a body that needed to be buried in a casket. They never mentioned Janelle or any name, but that is the total of his knowledge about the Janelle Matthews case. That's why, like, he is saying that he has to work out a deal. He was afraid to tell police about what he knew. Because a cop told his father-in-law to bury a body, basically. Basically, basically. Panky then accused one of the police detectives that had worked the case and had become the mayor of Greeley, Colorado, as being a suspect in the case in that interview with that NBC-affiliated station. So he's just, like, literally insane. He is off his rocker. Like, what are you doing, sir? He and refused he to talk to the detectives. <laughs> and then he turns around and does this with a news station wow okay next panky gave an interview to the times news and said he was being framed by the police because of his sexuality identifying himself as a celibate homosexual in 28 why okay yeah why nobody nobody cares (laughs) literally no one and he thinks he's world. like super important yeah and you know what it is like thinking about it it actually i say this with like astonishment it kind of makes sense that he if he really thought that a police officer that if he thought it was this guy that became the mayor who would still be involved in everything if that really happened and he was afraid and wanted an agreement and all this stuff. But but he did all this psycho crap around it. Mm-hmm. That it's like, this is unbelievable. This yeah. is not believable because you are being insane. Yeah. Okay. Wow. In 2018, Pinky had campaigned for the Idaho Republic Party's nomination for the position of governor of Idaho. His campaign website said that Pinky had studied criminal justice. Pinky ran for sheriff 
in Idaho while being a person of interest in the case. Not a good time. <laughs> Read the room, yeah. Stephen. Not a good time. <laughs> Pinky knew he was a person of interest in September 2019 when he was interviewed by the Idaho statesman. Pinky told the newspaper that he did not know Janelle or the Matthews family, and he had only heard about them following the disappearance. He said he and his wife were home on the night of Janelle's disappearance. He said they were planning to leave town the next day for a Christmas visit with his family members in Big Bear Lake, California, and had already loaded their car. Decades later, Pinky provided investigators with documents concerning this trip, which police say contained false statements and super... Official details. Superfluous, I think, is how you say that. Like, just extra details that are not necessary and are probably not true. Yikes. The police announced that Pinky had long been a person of interest in the case. Pinky repeatedly claimed to have knowledge of the crime and had asked for immunity in exchange for information. But if he's saying that he had no idea who she was or anything like that, what does that even mean? That doesn't even make sense. What he's saying doesn't make None of it makes any sense. Mm -mm. Well, you know, (laughs) if he found this out after December 20th from his father-in-law, then he doesn't need to know them before. Right. He probably just thinks he put two and two together in his head. Like a little girl disappeared and then the police officers getting rid of a body the same night. Gotta be connected. Gotta be connected. The criminal indictment said that he intentionally inserted himself in the investigation many times over the years, claiming to have knowledge of the crime, which grew inconsistent and incriminating over time. Pinky had claimed that on the evening of Janelle's abduction, a rake was used to cover up tracks left in the snow. Hmm. He also claimed to have watched students walking home from the middle school, which Janelle attended. That's creepy as hell. Creep. So he knew about the rake, too. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. On October 13th, 2020, Stephen Pinky was indicted on charges of murdering and kidnapping Janelle Matthews. Following extradition from Idaho, Pinky made his first appearance in a Colorado courtroom in Greeley on October 30th, 2020. His trial began on October 14th, 2021. Isn't that crazy? That is so crazy. That it takes that long. Then that ultimately ended in a mistrial on November 4th, 2021, due to a hung jury. The jury voted to convict Pinky on a single misdemeanor count of making false statements to police, but was unable to come to a unanimous verdict on the kidnapping and murder charges. Because like I said, I mean, it makes kind of sense if he's not lying outside of the fact that he did all this psycho stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. He makes himself look crazy. Well, and which I gets do also, confusing. Right. And I do also want to say, I'm trying to see if I said this in here anywhere. And I don't think I did. Hit the defense also brought up Norris Drake as a suspect, as somebody that like a, a possible other person mm-hmm. that they should be like looking into. Um, but a lot of it didn't make it in, I don't think, because he they didn't really have anything on him. Wow. So, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't enough, really, to, like, take the eye off of Panky. Um, so, 
the prosecution argued that Pinky's behavior and statements incriminated him in the murder, but Pinky's defense attorney argued that his obsessive interest in the case could be attributed to Asperger's syndrome. Which maybe, I mean, maybe it could be. Maybe it could be. Yeah. Maybe it could be. Anthony Viorst, Pinky's former attorney, says Pinky craves attention but is not a murderer. There's no indication that he committed this murder, no indication that he had anything to do with burying the body. Mr. Pinky wanted to be a person of interest. Mr. Pinky loves the limelight. All of the statements that he has made about his culpability have been, I didn't do it, Viorst told 48 hours, that a correspondent for 48 hours that while he was prepping for the trial. And then you know at who the else trial, says that though? People what? who do it. Yeah, like uh-huh. of course you're gonna say that. Right. You're right. They do also say that. Um at the trial, Viors told the jury that Pinky was a true crime junkie, and Pinky himself took the stand and said, It was just me trying to be a big man, be in the case, okay? I had no knowledge, Pinky said. It began as a series of lies, and it got bigger and bigger over the years. Pinky told the jury that one lie leads to another. Could you imagine, though, like, if you did stir that shit up, and then you, like, lied yourself into possibly being convicted of a murder that you really didn't commit, like, what? And I'm sorry. like, oh, shoot. We like true crime also, but I would never admit to killing somebody especially if i did not do it i mean he didn't admit to killing her but he wouldn't like you wouldn't make lies up to involve yourself in a case either no like people do that though that is a thing and i don't that's people do that all the time Mm -hmm. i know i don't get it that's insane to me that That is is crazy Mm -hmm. Because I get being convicted of a crime that you did not commit being by like being convicted by a jury of your peers or the judge or whatever you you had no you know you couldn't you didn't involve yourself in it that just happened to you but putting Mm -hmm. yourself in it and like confessing to something that you had that is just why would you do that I don't know and it takes away so if you really truly didn't do it it's taking yeah. it takes everything if you get convicted it t- so if somebody else committed this murder they're never yeah. gonna know because they convicted this dummy but it seems like he might have done it he acted real weird right he was doing lots of weird stuff so i don't know wild Upon retrial, Pinky was found guilty of the kidnapping and murder of Janelle by a Weld County jury on October 31st, 2022. So just last year. Mm -hmm. He received a sentence of 20 years to life in prison. His earliest possible release date is 2042, at which point he will be 91 years old. So he gone. Mm hmm. Pinky is serving his sentence at the Bent County Correctional Facility and last Animus, Colorado. Jennifer McGinson, Janelle's older sister, said her family experienced some closure when they learned that Janelle was murdered and she considers Pinky's arrest another gift to our family. Her, her quote. Uh, Janelle's sister's fa- or the, the father. Janelle's father, yeah. 
was reportedly especially excited to see justice i'm sure especially after being raked through the coals time and time again and Mm -hmm. just like yikes yeah oh wow that's a ride that one that is could you imagine though i feel like they had two pretty decent suspects like this pinky guy and norse drake and what happens if it was the other guy what other guy? The police officer? No, the guy who died oh, no, of an OD. Drake. Yeah. Then this poor sad sack that was lying is going to spend the rest of his life in jail. And at least we know the real murderer is dead. I know. But still. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine murdering somebody and then having somebody else get convicted? No. Like what a get out of jail. What a relief part. that would be. <laughs> That is Monopoly play at its best. Yeah. And I don't, I wouldn't make it long enough for somebody else to, especially in this case where it's decades, decades, decades later, I would not make it that long. I would tell on myself, I feel like. Or die of a heart attack because I'd be worried all the damn time. Yeah. My blood pressure would be down. It would not be worth it to still be alive. I would not be living a life. That, that whole California trip is what really kind of gets it for me that's that is weird he was trying imagine just being like all right everybody we're going right before christmas who has the money for that number one christmas is expensive they came back on they left california on the 25th on christmas day because steve and his father fought so that's like that why would you do that if you fight with your family Right. Like, you did it so you so... had an alibi. Yeah, I guess. I don't it wasn't a good enough alibi. It doesn't cover you at all. <laughs> no. Wow. What a yeah. wild ride. It's a weird well, all case. we can hope is one of them they got the was right the murder. Guy or... Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so for this I used greelytribune.com wikipedia.com cbsnews.com and i also listened and i think this is probably where i got the idea to do this um to dateline has a podcast episode on this it's called footprints in the snow from february 21st and i highly recommend going and listening to that they interview the fan like there's family interviews there's old interviews there's Mm -hmm. the police interviews so it's it's interesting to hear the people talking that is what they're saying about it that really puts it into perspective whenever you get to see it the people yeah Yeah. i wish we could do something like that more but yeah right some things like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah it's it's a very good episode so okay also dateline's podcast is bomb and i love listening to it all the time anyways (laughs) I have not listened to that, but I feel like I would enjoy it. I do watch it Dateline is, a lot on Hulu. Yeah, I think. it's like just the facts, you know, just yeah. the facts. And then these interview interviews mm-hmm. with the people involved. So there's no like outside commentary really of like, because, you know, we have opinions and stuff yeah. and relate things to ourselves. And, and it's not that it's very it's just... on it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you want it. that. Yeah, sometimes you want that. Sometimes you want this. the chit chat. <laughs> Yeah. 
All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed episode 148 on the disappearance of Janelle Matthews. We hope you all have a fantastic week and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.